Welcome to Bridge City Church. We are here to lead people in a deeper relationship with Jesus and to grow the church locally, nationally, and internationally. We pray you are blessed by this message. As I prepared this message this week, um, God just really spoke to me through this. I, I, I can never preach a message that God's not dealing with me uh, through circumstances, so let's get into it. My message title this morning is Carried to the Table or God's Plans for Dead Dogs. Second <laughs> Samuel 9, 1 to 13. Now David said, Is there anyone still is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there still not someone in the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now, when Mephibosheth, this is really good, I'm going to stumble over this, Mephibosheth. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually." Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's sons may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. All who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. And he was lame in both his feet. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that in this house your word, Lord, we preach your word because it's all we have and it's all we need. Father, as I bring this word today, I thank you that you will make my tongue and my lungs as the pen of a skillful writer, to bring the truth of what you want to speak to your people today. For those who are here, those who are listening online, I ask, Father God, that your word would be milk for those who need milk, will be meat for those who need meat, that will accomplish what you send it to do, 
it will prosper in that which you send it to work within, Lord God. And Father God, we give you all the praise and all the glory for the truth of your word. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Lots in this message today, but there's some things that I really want to zero in on today. So buckle up, let's go for a ride, hey? (laughs) Today, let's look at David and his relationship with Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth means from the mouth of shame. And it's, uh, he's called that in the book of Samuel. While in the book of Chronicles, uh, chapters 8 and 9, he's called Meribal, which is a reference to one of the Canaanite gods, um, which became taboo to speak about later on. So the backdrop to this was Mephibosheth was five years old when both his father, Jonathan, David's best friend, and his grandfather, Saul, died at the, mountain of, at the battle of the Mount of Gilboa. And they were, um, they were both killed. There were three sons of Saul killed on that day in Mount Gilboa. And after these deaths, Mephibosheth's nurse took him and ran away, fled in panic. And, and in her haste, in her hurry to get away, um, the child was dropped while being carried away from danger. And after that, Mephibosheth was unable to walk. He was lame in both feet. And for the rest of his life, he had to be carried um, so he was a man that was, became lame at the age of five. Mephibosheth was an innocent victim. And Mephibosheth dealt with choices that had been made on his behalf all of his life. So after the accident, they carried them off with the rest of the family beyond the Jordan to the mountains of Gilead where they found refuge in the house of Macca, the son of Ben Amiel. So that's the backdrop to it. So, what do we learn from this today? They lived in exile from the king. Mephibosheth was living in exile. He ran away because his father and his grandfather and his uncles had been killed. The nurse took him to take him to a place of safety. But it was because he was remembered because of a covenant that David had made with his relationship with Jonathan. 1 Samuel 20 verse 42, Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So there was a covenant established between David and Jonathan. And it's important to note at this point that Jonathan was uh, 30 years probably older than uh, David. He was his senior. And this was about David's relationship with Jonathan and the covenant that was made. And it's also the follow through for David's integrity to follow through despite what all the circumstances were looking like in his life and all the things that happened. In 1 Samuel 18, it says that David loved Jonathan as his own soul. And on Jonathan's death in 2 Samuel 1.26, David confesses, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. Now, what a statement is that? And there have been many scholars that have taken things from that. But my understanding of it, it was a pure love. It was a revelation love. It was a love that was... Um, blessed his soul that it was above every earthly love that the relationship they had was such an incredible uh, picture of 
purity. And it's a reflection also coming forward into the New Testament of Christ's love for us, that Christ loves our souls, that Christ loves us so completely and so utterly and so sacrificially that we'll get to that. But when we stop and we think about that, you know, that pure love that David loved Jonathan so much that he covenanted to look after his family for generations. Isn't that incredible? Mephibosheth belonged to the royal line, but he would be made a cripple by the fall, by the accident. He's identified in this passage as being lame twice. So he's identified by his disability. And so often in life we go through and we can be identified by our disability, by our lack, by our inability to do things as well. But in 2 Samuel 4, 4, Jonathan, uh, Saul's son had a son who was lame in his feet and it said he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And he never walked. He had to be carried everywhere from this point on. And I may backtrack a little bit over this as well, but it, this is something that's really burning in my spirit. As I was writing this message yesterday, I just was getting revelation after revelation of the love of God and the faithfulness of God and the integrity of God and the mercy of God and how no matter what we do and no matter what our human state and no matter the errors that we make, God is able and God comes through for us time and time and time again and then again and then again because his mercy endures forever his love and his faithfulness knows no bounds and what an incredible truth that is you see life can do stuff to us we get knocked down we can get crippled and we can feel disabled and we can feel so unable to function as we should but Mephibosheth was called into the king's presence like us, Christ has called us into the king's presence. Because of the covenant that David had, he was remembered. And you see, from the time of Jonathan and Saul and the other brothers' death to the time when Mephish, Meph, M was brought through, <laughs> there'd been lots of things happening. There'd been lots of things. If you get time, go back and read First and Second Samuel because there's a huge backdrop to all of this. But God's faithfulness comes through because no matter what was happening, David remembered his promise to honour the house of Saul and Jonathan. God's faithfulness is not dependent on the merit of others, on our acts or our non-acts. But God's faithfulness is, comes from his grace and his mercy and his love and David acted in honour in integrity and with a spirit of restoration and in covenant to Jonathan verse 7 for Jonathan you for your father's sake and will restore to you all the land of Saul your grandfather and you shall eat bread at my table continually and then in verse 7, 10 it says but Mephibosheth your master's son shall eat bread at my table always so it goes from continually to always it's a continual supply that God gives us at the Father's table, at the King's table. Continually becomes always. David promises to him to have him always at the royal table. And the promise of God is that we will have no lack when we are in his presence. We will always have everything that we need. 
Don't ever fear that lack will be part of your life in a negative way. When God carries you to the table of his provision and carries you to the table of his presence, he will always give you everything that you need. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 2 Samuel 9.9, he's given a glorious heritage. So David restores Mephibosheth and all that belonged to the household of Saul and ordered not only that but all the crops be planted and it be worked by the servants as an ongoing provision of food for them. David restored Saul's inheritance and embraced him and brought him into the palace to live. Sometimes God uses people people that we least expect to challenge us, to encourage us and to bless us. Sometimes we feel forgotten, we feel like we've been passed over, we feel like life's not been as kind as you want it to be. And yet God uses people to bless, to encourage, to draw, to embrace And sometimes it's from the people that we least expect it to. Sometimes it's the stone against stone principle. You know, we're all living stones being built together to form the temple of God. And sometimes those stones spark up against each other and we can have a little bit of a reaction to somebody else, the way they've spoken or the way they haven't spoken or don't they know who I am or don't they know what I did. It doesn't matter. God does. God does and God works in us all of those things to refine us, that refining fire that he wants to work in us to present us as a bride pure and spotless when the day comes when Jesus comes for us, when the trump of heaven sounds and the dead in Christ will rise and up we go or if we go to be with him beforehand, praise God, to live is Christ and to die is gain so we win, either way we win. But Whatever is happening in your life, know that the plans of God, when we are truly submitted to God, when we are truly seeking after God, that there are things that do happen in our lives that look less than than great. There are things that happen in our lives that will challenge us. There are things that will happen in our lives that will cause us to fall on our knees and sometimes fall on our faces before God. And, And sometimes we ask why. And sometimes we just say, Lord, I don't ask God why anymore. I just say, Lord, whatever you want to do, do it in me and do it through me. I just submit (laughs) because otherwise you keep having arguments with God that are not healthy. God always wins. So it's just easy sometimes just to filter those things through and work through what God wants to do. So God's faithful. He keeps his covenant from everlasting to everlasting. God is so faithful. And David was used by God to bless Mephibosheth when he was least expecting it from a former enemy. Because David took hold of the whole kingdom of God, of of Judah and Israel, and and set up the kingdom. And in Jerusalem, he, he reigned for over 33 years at that time. And so here's Mephibosheth, who this time had passed, and he had a son himself now. And he gets called into the king's presence. And he knew that he was either for it or he was either for it. And yet David extended mercy to Mephibosheth. 
And you see, the truth of this is that if people that are truly engaged with God and truly wanting to please God and truly desirous of the God result and wanting to serve God and do the things that he wants us to do, those choices, they're not made through logic because they make no sense in logic because logic dictates your own agenda and yet in God there is such a higher purpose the things that he wants to do through our circumstances see we can be subject to the persecution we can be exiled like Mephibosheth we can be cast out and we can be slandered and we can be misunderstood and yet when God points us to the person that is the one that's going to point us back to Jesus he uses the least likely thing God spoke through a donkey in the Old Testament why wouldn't he speak through us you know it's such a revelation isn't it second samuel 16 3 and 1927 you see it wasn't dependent on the on the actions of mephibosheth either because mephibosheth did the wrong thing as well he had been restored to his place in the kingdom and yet he and his servant zeba they conspired together to take hold of the kingdom itself. In fact, Zeba was in and about feathering his own nest as well. So there are others that have got an agenda that's not not of God. And yet, (coughs) how often in life other people's agendas can dictate actions and attitudes when not brought into the sight of God and into God's word and into God's plan. Mephibosheth herein refers to himself as a dead dog. He has a revelation of his own wretchedness. 2 Samuel 9, 8, he bowed himself and he said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Isn't that such a sad statement? But I look at my world and I look at people in my world and our community and I think so many are walking around feeling like they're semi-dead. They're worthless. And I think about how often do the words and the deeds and the attitudes and our reactions to people keep us in a place of inability or our own self-worth or understanding of ourselves keep us in a place where we feel so disabled. And it's because we've not got God's perspective on how he sees us, on how he wants to work in us, how he wants to work through us, how he wants to bring the healing. You see, the way we perceive ourselves is reflected in the way we look at others. And it can so affect our ability to receive the good things in life that God wants us to have. And the purpose in life that God has for each and every one of us, no matter what season we're in. And despite all that Mephibosheth and Zeba had conspired, King David still did what was right in God's sight. He honoured his word. Because of the soul, pure love that he'd had for his father and that covenant. You see, the things that we do, actions that we do and the way we react and communicate with people, it shouldn't be dependent on how we're received by others. 
But the bottom line in it is, is it right in God's sight? And is it right in God's timing? Because God's promise is that he makes all things beautiful in its time. And God's timing is not always our timing. You know, we can be waiting for an answer for prayer. God's timing is not always our timing. But God's faithful. And if he's given you something to do, then do it. If you're not doing the last thing that he gave you to do, then you need to go back and revisit that and do what he's given you to do. And if you're not seeing results, don't be deterred deterred, and don't be discouraged and don't be dissuaded and don't be desperate because keep on with that last thing that God's given you to do because when the time is right, the season will change, the page of your book will flip over, you're into another chapter because your book has got a long way to go as yet. But just be in the will of God because when you're in his will, he takes care of all the circumstances that surround and Psalm 138 says he will perfect that which concerns you today you see we've got to have a heavenly perspective and walk in trust and faith in God a spirit of wisdom and revelation is not dependent on understanding because understanding does not require faith I'll say that again a spirit of wisdom and revelation is not dependent on on understanding because understanding doesn't require faith. To walk in wisdom and to walk in revelation is walking by faith. Because all of us, like Mephibosheth, we're all sinners. We're all cripples. We've potentially all been victims. We've potentially all been, well, you've got your Zeba, your manipulator, you've got your David, you've got Ah, Saul and Jonathan, all of these characters, they all play a part. There is innocence in all and there is guilt in all. And I think I can so relate to all of that because all of us are works in progress. And no matter at what stage of life we're at, there are things that are causing us to be a victim or causing us to be victorious. There are causing things that are causing us to, to be more than conquerors, but also looking at what the agenda might be and trying to work out with understanding how we can get the best result from the things that are in our hands and yet when we submit those things to God and we we allow God to move through those things and say not my will Lord but your will be done then those dead dog thinkings can be restored and those things that have caused us to stumble and to be in less than victory and caused us to be feeling far less than what God has called us to be he has called us to the table he's called us to the table to sit in his presence and he's done it by the blood of Jesus by the precious blood of Jesus he has called us and he has redeemed us and he's carried us and there are times where we absolutely need to be carried because in our own strength we can hardly put one foot in front of the other and yet God in his grace and mercy he sends and he carries us to the table there was a song back in the 90s it was by an artist by the name of Leland and and it was <coughs> the, some of the words of it were sinners and cripples doing the best we can hurt and wounded by life choices we make hopeless wounded and struggling to walk saved by grace his grace his strength his healing his hope just like the words of that song the scriptures on Mephibosheth we have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. 
Mephibosheth was carried to the table by the king's servants. And there are people in our lives that God has brought into our life to be a signpost to the way and the truth and the life. And his name is Jesus. Sometimes we need to be carried. Sometimes we're crawling. (laughs) Sometimes we've got to be let down through the roof into Jesus' presence. But there's a time and a place for all of the above. What does God want us to know today? That we have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 16. Carolyn, you didn't even read my sermon notes. (laughs) For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast for you. We, say we, say I. And his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, poor... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Amazing. God has brought us near. The table's been set for you. The king is calling you. And bring your shame. Bring your crippledness, your lameness. Bring your disability. Bring your woundedness. Bring your rejection. Bring your broken heart to him. Because his all is yours. His promises for you are yes and amen. You see, when they put Mephibosheth at the table, all that they could see from the table was an active man. The shame of his lameness, his brokenness was hidden under the table. We're hidden under the blood of Jesus. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. That cloth that covers us is his righteousness, that pure linen. Through his word, it's incredible what he does. You see, we understand in part. We don't have to have full understanding. We've just got to take hold of wisdom and revelation that you are, we are all sons and daughters of the Most High God. We can't change our families We can't change who we're related to. We can't change decisions that have been made on our behalf, made by loved ones, decisions that we've made that we regret. We can't do that. But we can choose to stand in God's strength despite our lameness and choose to break the line of error and to walk in God's path and do what is right in his sight 
not dependent on the opinions of others or how we've been treated well or not so well by others. You see, Mephibosheth should have remembered all that the God that God had done for him through King David, but he didn't. And then when he did, he thought he was a dead dog. See, when someone wrongs you, it's always an opportunity for grace to flow in your life. Jesus has brought you to his banqueting table and his banner over us is love, that pure, spotless love. We've been brought near. He is our peace. We're under a new covenant. We're saved by grace. We're forgiven by his grace. And that grace is the unmerited favour of God. God's richest at Christ's expense. Jesus has paid the price for every single one of us. We could never do it ourselves. So we can never look down on anyone else. Not our brother, our sister, not our neighbour. Because by grace we've been saved through faith. And that not of ourselves is not because of our ability. It's because of Christ's love and his redemption, his restoration. And when we were like dead dogs and we don't deserve to be forgiven, God knows that, but he loves us despite us. <laughs> and when he looks at us, he doesn't see us through our sin. He sees us through the blood of Christ, forgiven, works in progress. And we're not where we were, but we're not where we're going to be either because God is at work in our lives. And as we come to that table and feast at that table of all of those promises that in Christ Jesus are yes and amen, conditional on us saying yes to Jesus, we can partake of everything that is laid before us at that table and know that we are righteous in his sight and that our sin, our sickness, our infirmity, our hurt, our rejection, our brokenness is under the table. In the Old Testament, the table. In the New Testament, it's under the blood. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Is this helping anyone today? I'm preaching myself happy. I really am. <laughs> oh, God is so good. And I need to finish, don't I? <coughs> wow. Jesus has done it all. Redeemed us. Reconciled us, restored us. He's given you a new name. You're no longer as a Mephibosheth, a name of shame, but a redeemed son and daughter that can sit in the line of the king's family. You are an heir. You are more than a conqueror. You've been brought back by the land, from the land of the enemy. Psalm 107 2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say, I am redeemed. By the blood of the Lamb, <laughs> whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Psalm 124, 7 to 8. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. First Peter 2, 9. I'm just going to hand all these out here because they, they're powerful. You, say me 
are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. If you suffer, rejoice. You're going to be glorified with Christ through your suffering. And Galatians 3, 26. Sons and heirs, heirs. For you are all sons of God, that sons and daughters through faith in Christ Jesus, we are of the royal family. We have been grafted in. Initially, it was Israel. Israel is still to receive uh, an, um, a revelation of Jesus Christ as Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and they will. But we have been grafted in for the times that we're living in. So we are of the royal family. So becoming an heir to receive... It's necessary for the testator to die. And he did. Jesus died for us. He died for us so that we could become heirs to the kingdom. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose again. And he is above our circumstances. He's seated with the Father in heavenly, in heavenly places looking down making intercession for those who call upon his name. He's above our circumstances and yet he's with us every step of the way, every minute of every day as we call on his name. You see, the enemy will try and blind you to the truth, make you feel less, make you feel hopeless. But you win the battle not by fighting the lie, but by knowing the truth, and Jesus is the truth, you will know the truth. His name is Jesus, and the truth will set you free. So don't fight the lie. Agree with God's truth for you. He so often we have these battles in our heads, and it's an ever-descending spiral that takes us down and down. And yet when we lift our eyes to Jesus, say, Jesus, you are my truth. Show me what you want me to know here. Show me what you want me to receive here. Show me the action I should take. Show me the action I shouldn't take. Show me the words to speak or the words to not speak. Let me be your hands. Let me be your feet. Let me see with the eyes of faith. Let me feel with a heart of love and compassion for your precious people. Let me know your will today. All we need to know is today. We can plan to die a very, very old age or going up in the rapture. But today we need to walk in the truth that God has for us today and walk in that light and have fellowship with him. Knowing that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Such a truth. Oh, little pink sticky notes everywhere because I had little thoughts on the way to Murray Bridge this morning. <laughs> so... In closing, Jesus has made a way for us that we no longer need to be as Mephibosheth, lame and in exile because the king has called us to the table to not only to have one meal but to provide for us for eternity. That the shame is gone. 
that we're forgiven, that we've been received by him. We've been brought into the line of the Father, that we're heirs to the promises of God. But above all else, we have life in Christ. Just waking up this morning, thank you, Lord, that I woke up another day. (laughs) We have so much to be grateful for. But that restoration, reconciliation, redemption, healing, forgiveness of our sins, that he sets us free, that we no longer have to be slaves to what has ensnared us. We've escaped from the snare of the fowler because of all that Christ has done for us. That's good news, isn't it? Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord God, that all our unrighteousness is covered by you. That you carry us and that you place us where we need to be to do the things that you've given us to do. Lord, while we wait in you, we thank you that you work in us what only you can work because it's a divine work. And it's a sovereign work. Father, as we close this service today, I thank you, Father, that salvation is found in no other name but Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of God the Father. That Romans says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Father, for anyone listening today who has not received you as God, has not received Jesus as Saviour and Lord, as I pray this prayer, just pray it with me. Father, I come to you now. In the name of Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I thank you that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died in my place for me to take away my sin, that his blood has purchased freedom for me from my sin. I ask you, Jesus, to be my saviour, to be my Lord. I ask you, Lord, to take hold of my life, that I will be born again now by the power of your spirit as you lead me and as you guide me. I ask now, Father God, that you would set me free from those things that have kept me away from you. And Lord, I close the door of my heart now with you inside. Be my Lord, be my God, be my Saviour, be my King. For all the days of my life, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, please get in touch with us. We'd love to resource you. But for those of us that are here today, there are those of us here who are recognising our own disability like Mephibosheth. And I pray, Lord God, today that for those of us that are carrying those things, that you would, Lord, lift them and carry them to the table of healing. Carry them to the table of your grace and your love. Carry them to the table of healing and restoration, Father God.
that we would exchange our weakness for your strength, Lord God. That we can recognize our woundedness and, Lord God, hurting people hurt people. And, Father, I pray, Lord God, that we would just exchange our agenda for yours, Lord God, and come into perfect alignment with your will in our lives, Lord God. That we can lay aside those weights that would hinder us and not struggle and wallow about in the shallows, just in the muddy water, but reaching out, launching out being carried out into the deep with you, Father God, where you would wash all those things away and carry us into the realm of the deep and the incredible journey that is life in you, Father God. Father, I pray that each one will see the hand of blessing on on our lives, Lord, and be grateful and thankful as you've brought us peace. You've paid the price and we have been brought near. We are no longer dead dogs or dying dogs. We are sons and daughters and heirs to all that God has given us. Father, I pray today that as we seat ourselves at your table afresh today, Lord, you just give us such an appetite to partake of all that is set before us. As an heir to the King. And as a covenant partner with all your promises, God, we thank you that you've made it all possible because of Jesus. We commit ourselves into your hands this day in the precious and the most holy and wondrous, perfect name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. If you would like to find out more, you can get in touch with us on our website at bridgecitychurch.com.au. See you next time.